and I'm reading from the scripture in the book of Acts, and I'm calling this Hearing God Speak. Reading from Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. That was the 120 in the upper room. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared flickering tongues of fire, and one sat upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So crowds of people were drawn, because they were in Jerusalem for the feast, they were drawn to this noise and commotion of the sound of the wind, the loud yelling of 120 people standing up, speaking with great passion the works of God in foreign languages that they'd never spoken before. Thousands of Jewish visitors from many regions and nations, and there was also the local population. Those crowds were hearing this message of God in their many various languages. Now that is an astounding miracle. It had never happened before. The Bible says there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven that heard them speaking in their own language, proclaiming the wonderful works of God. And it goes on to list 17 regions and nations. So that's a pretty big crowd. In other words, he was saying, this message on that day went out to the whole world. It says every nation under heaven. And God wanted to get the attention of the whole world that day. And he sent these amazing signs. The time had arrived for God's eternal and preordained purpose for humanity to receive the Holy Spirit. The word pente means 50 and it was 50 days after Jesus had risen from the dead. He'd stayed with them for 40 days upon the earth and they had to wait another 10 days. Jesus had said that they had to wait to receive the promise of the Father, which was the sending of the Holy Spirit upon mankind, not just the apostles or the disciples. This was the day. Now, this astounding miracle was a reversal of something that happened in the Old Testament way back in the book of Genesis chapter 10 and 11, where it speaks about the rebellion of a man called Nimrod, a mighty warrior. He was the king of Babylon, which was the first kingdom mentioned in the Bible. He was responsible for building the Tower of Babel, which was meant to reach the heavens and serve as a symbol of human unity and political power. So here we had, back there in Genesis, the first political rejection of the one true God. It was a group of people, in fact the nations, they all had one language and they were rebelling against the one true God and saying we're going to build our God or we're going to reach to heaven our way. So in response to this prideful act, God confused the languages of all the people. Everybody working on the tower started to speak different languages. They couldn't understand one another. And that resulted in the scattering of different nations and cultures across the earth with their own languages. 
now we have the day of Pentecost, and that's reversed. Instead of the disunity and political conflict of different nations ruling over the world, God had now made available the unity of one voice that would rule in the hearts of all who believed in God through Jesus Christ. God could now speak to everybody in their own language. This is the first time that mankind had heard the voice of the Holy Spirit other than through the Old Testament prophets and, of course, through Jesus himself. Humanity was being prepared to hear God speak. This was an astonishing sign to the people gathered in Jerusalem that God was at work in their midst. Being able to now hear God speak would change their lives forever. It would change the course of humanity. God speaking to every individual, speaking to groups, giving guidance, the voice saying, this is the way, walking in it. But some people accuse the disciples of being drunk. But Peter assured them this was not the case, saying, these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It was 9am in the morning. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Coming down to verse 17 now. Now it's interesting that Peter says in that verse, I will pour out of my spirit. Not just I will pour out my spirit, I will pour out of my spirit. The word of is added here in this text. It is truly recording what Peter said, but it's not in the original prophecy of Joel, the word of. Joel said, I will pour out my spirit. I don't think that was a mistake. I don't think Peter added that word on his own. The Holy Spirit was telling us that this outpouring on the day of Pentecost was only a partial fulfilment of what was yet to happen in the last days of history. I'm not saying that they didn't receive that fullness of the Holy Spirit, but I'm saying that Joel's prophecy contained more of what the Holy Spirit was going to do in history. In Joel's original prophecy, Joel goes on to describe the events of the end of the world. So when Peter says this is the fulfilment of Joel's prophecy, he didn't mean the entire fulfilment. God was pouring out of his spirit to bring about what was to happen in those days and then more would happen in the end days. Blood and fire and vapour of smoke, that's how the prophecy of Joel ends. This didn't happen on the day of Pentecost. The sun being turned into darkness, the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. So it's wonderful to know that we are part of Joel's prophecy but let's take a hold of that first part about the holy spirit being able to speak to every single person to be poured out on everybody all mankind so he says to everybody there peter stands up and said to them you too can receive this gift of the holy spirit if you change your hearts and mind if you repent and be baptized he told them that this was for them and for their children and for all those who were afar off. And that means afar off in time and in location. That word still echoes 
be baptized and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that means us. But it also, I believe, means that the book of Acts is still being written. There's more acts of the Holy Spirit that we're to see, especially in the days in which we live. I believe God is wanting to pour out his spirit, completing that pouring out of his spirit, and see people find God in this time of great distress, that the nations are in, going their own way. Peter warns them about this, even in that day. He said, don't accept the distorted mindset of this current generation. He exhorts them to live for God with Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. He says, save yourself from this perverse or distorted, warped generation. How much does that mean in these days? And then they that gladly received his word were baptised, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. We talked about a reversal of the Tower of Babel with Nimrod and the fact that uh, all the languages were confused and then we saw on the day of Pentecost all the languages actually heard the one voice. Here's another paradox, if you like. 3,000 souls came to the Lord that day. 3,000 people accepted the truth and they became the community of faith and of grace and of love. Now, this points to the end of the era of being under the dominion of the law. This became now the era of grace and truth being transferred into the kingdom of God, which is under the dominion of grace. The Bible says that clearly in Romans chapter 6. You're not under the dominion of the law, you're now under the dominion of grace. This was the beginning of the church. Now let's go and have a look at what happened when the era of the law started as opposed to what happened when the era of grace started. When Moses received the commandments from God on Mount Sinai and came down to give the law to Israel on the tablets of stone, he saw the people, all the Israelites, worshipping the golden calf and many were celebrating in an orgy of idolatry. God told Moses to command the Levites to go through the camp and slay the offenders. And on that day of the giving of the law, 3,000 people lost their lives. On the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people received new life. I don't believe this is just coincidences. God is showing the pattern of how he reverses one thing, how he changes a paradox from one complete paradigm into another paradigm. Only God can do that for the whole world. And he can do it again. He can speak to a world that's not listening. Pentecost was the dawning of a new era where people could expect to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to them in their own language. To join their hearts and minds to his heart and mind. I believe God is rekindling that era in the days in which we live. Hearing God speak to us in our own language. Now, our own language doesn't only mean that we hear him in our spoken language, like our language of origin. It doesn't just mean that. I believe it means that we hear the personal and specific word into our hearts 
that reveals to us what he's doing in our individual life circumstance, in whatever issue that we're in. So we can find his wisdom and we can know what to do. See, we hear his voice. There are things that God wants to say to you that you don't even say to yourself. You couldn't say to yourself. And nobody else can tell you. But God can. Faith comes by hearing, hearing a word from God. Faith, see Israel had miracles, they had wonders in the wilderness, but God said about them, they were a people of no faith. Faith doesn't come just by seeing things happen. Signs and wonders draw you to God, but faith comes by hearing the word of God. We now hear God's voice and not our own voice. And then God can speak through us and bring forth things that he's declaring and that he's doing and people will see the works of God, the signs that follow the works of God being spoken about. But faith arrives first. And this was the beginning of that spirit of faith. Your spirit was created to hear what the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. Please take that on board today. And the Bible also reminds us that there are personal things that no other person could advise you on to teach you. Only God knows you the way you could possibly know yourself. You will recognise the voice of God and you'll know that's for me. Everybody in the room might hear the same word, but for you, that's for me. <laughs> How many times has that happened to us? That's our own language, in other words. And in 1 John 2.27, it says, You've received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you, in your heart, so that you don't need anyone to teach you what is right, for he teaches you all things and he is the truth. Now, that doesn't mean we don't have the ministry of teaching. He's not talking about that. He's talking about this personal word that you need to hear from God. No other man or person can tell you that. Whether they're a good counsellor or just a, an okay counsellor and they've got a pretty good technique of helping you to sort out your, your cognitive thinking, God alone can speak to your heart and tell you, this is what I'm saying to you. He waits for you to ask him. That's in 1 John 2, 27, by the way. And if, it's an if, if we really want to know the truth of what we need to hear, we will trust him to give it to us. We might be saying, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know what you're going to say about me. Well, just ask him. Because when he speaks to you, it's not condemnation. David said, Search me and know me, O God, and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of life, the way everlasting. All he was saying to God was, Lord, I want to know about me what you know about me so that the thing that I know about me that I can really do without, I'd like you to change into the thing that I can do with you according to your ways. That's transformation. That's a beautiful way to pray for truth. God wants truth in the inward part. But we trust him to give it to us. And you know, I've seen people receive a word that I would have thought, I couldn't say that to them. They might think that I'm being a little bit overbearing. 
But when God says it to somebody, they say, oh, thank you, Lord. I understand that. Because only God can actually say it the way it needs to be said and unlock that heart that needs love and compassion and the word of God coming to each person will give love and compassion. That's the key to answer prayer. And the Bible tells us to ask for wisdom and that he'll give it to you in your own language. In the book of James, chapter 1, verse 5, if you want to know what God wants you to do, ask him and he'll gladly tell you. For he is always ready to give a bountiful supply of wisdom to all who ask him. But when you ask him, be sure that you really expect him to tell you. James says, don't be wavering. Expect to hear God. And he goes on to say, he doesn't get upset with you. He doesn't say, well, you shouldn't have asked that. What do you want wisdom for? He's glad to do it. He doesn't upbraid you, it says. Now, when we have communion this morning and wait in his presence, we'll sit there for a time and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us regarding any issues that might need God's wisdom. Ask and give thanks and expect to hear. And you'll hear something in his time as you continue to ask. There are times when I've sat and asked and I know that I have put that petition to the Lord and then I let the peace of God guard my heart and mind and it's in his hands. And I haven't really heard anything, but I know that it's in his hands and I'll be guided. And then he can surprise us when we do that. It's interesting in the book of Acts, the verse I first read, they were waiting, had to wait for 10 days. We don't like waiting. But what waiting often brings about is a surprise. Something suddenly happens. And it's such a surprise that you might recognise it. Oh, that's, that's what I was waiting for, but I didn't know what it would look like. They didn't know what to expect on the day of Pentecost, but they waited. God said you would, the promise of the Father would come. Can you imagine them thinking, I wonder what that is? <laughs> I'd like that. And then bingo, there are tongues of fire everywhere, <laughs> a rushing mighty wind. They're all speaking in foreign language. We didn't expect this, Lord. So wait and let God's timing work in that request and you might be surprised. And God will do it suddenly, perhaps. But then you'll realise that was God. Thank you, Lord. But start thanking first, as you're expecting. Now, there could be a part of you, when we do this exercise today, to sit and ask God for wisdom about any issue. It could be trivial, it can be... Well, nothing's really trivial. It'll be personal. But it, it could be something momentous, but it could be something that has just been a bother, a worry, and you'd like some peace from God and some kind of an answer. What's God saying here? He wants to tell you. But there could be a part of you that says, no, don't do that. It won't happen for you. You've probably been hearing that part talk to you for a long, long time. Don't take risks. You know how to sort this out yourself. That part of you is just trying to protect you from getting disappointed. It could be telling you to just worry about the problem for a while longer and work on it yourself until some other problems come along that need more worry than that one. But don't get mad at that part of you that wants to hesitate and say, that's not going to happen. 
Don't get mad at that. That's probably been trying to save you from disappointment for a long time. That's okay. That's all right. But what you can do, talk to that part of yourself and ask it nicely to step aside for a moment. Otherwise you'll be in conflict with yourself and cranky. Well, why do I do this? No, no. It's just been trying to do its job. But you tell that part that God would like to get a word in here. Do you mind moving aside? I want to hear God. Do you know that God is greater than our heart and he knows all things? God is greater than any voice that we've got in our heads that tells us to hold back. He's greater than that. His grace overrules that and he says, trust me, I know all things. I would like to speak to you. Then welcome the Holy Spirit to speak to your spirit. Your spirit, not just your head, because your spirit knows the things of you. No one knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man that is in him. Your spirit will know what God's spirit is saying to you. And that's what your spirit was created for. So thank you, Lord, for letting us hear your voice today at communion. Amen.